episode 31 of the Football Fitness Federation podcast is with Gary Kaneen. Gary is a fellow podcast host, which we mentioned in the episode. He's the host of the Modern Soccer Coach podcast, which is a quality podcast and one of the reasons that we set this podcast up. He's also a, a coach and an author as well. So you can go and check out his work. Um, he spoke about why the Modern Soccer Coach podcast was created, his experience working with strength conditioning coaches, and also what level of understanding strength, condi- uh, strength conditioning coaches need in terms of technical and tactical. We have now confirmed our next network meeting, so I'm delighted to say that we're going to be down in Southampton on the 28th of June. We're going to be at Solent University and we're going to be holding a network meeting that is all focused around pre-season. So we're going to cover all aspects of pre-season. Chris Neville, who is down at the university, is going to speak for us and we may have some other presentations down there as well but the whole meeting is going to be designed around the pre-season theme to get coaches ready for the new season. Keep an eye out for tickets. They're going to be available on the website, www.footballfitfed.com, and you'll be able to go onto the shop tab or the network meeting and event tab at the top and get your tickets and secure your place. Please, as always, share the show. It was great to speak to Gary, so please spread the word. Put it on your Instagram story, share it on Twitter, give it a retweet, um, share it on Facebook, tell friends, tell fellow coaches about it and get the information out there. It was great to chat to him and I hope you enjoy the episode with Gary. Welcome to another episode of the Football Fitness Federation podcast. I'm delighted to be joined today by coach, author and also fellow podcast host, Gary Kaneen. Gary, thanks a lot for coming on. Thanks for having me on, Ben. Excited to be on the show. Big fan. And likewise, mate. I was, I was, uh, I was thinking today um, when I was planning the show that I think yours is one of the, the top podcasts out there that I've listened to that has inspired me to get this going. Um, I, I listen to a lot of different podcasts, and I think the Modern Soccer Coach podcast is is you've had a, a range. We've just had a chat then, a range of different guests on there, and I think there's so much valuable information. Um, and it's something I want to speak to you about today. But um, yeah, thank you for everything you put out there because it's inspired me to do this. Oh, brilliant! No, I'm really, really excited to hear that. So, um, and I've benefited from yours as well. So, yeah, brilliant, fantastic, awesome. Well, for anyone that doesn't know you, Gary, or know what you've done, know what you're up to right now. Do you want to fill us in on a little bit of experience and, and what you're up to now? Sure, sure. So, my background. Uh, born in Northern Ireland and came to the US when I was 18. So came over and played over here at a Division Two school in North Carolina and then stayed on there when I finished at 22, became an assistant coach for a couple of years and went through my coach education. And then an opportunity opened up on the woman's side as a head coach at the same school. So I jumped at that there and stayed there for eight years and then moved on to division one as an assistant coach in Cincinnati was there for a year and then opportunity to become a head coach at division one in California moved out there for four years and then recently uh, 12 months ago took an opportunity with the Chicago Red Stars in the women's professional league and 
you know, been there sort of my second season right now in Chicago. And then, yeah, I've done a little bit on the coach education side with, with modern soccer coach started that a few years ago and as just a little bit of a self-development tool initially and it's it's kind of moved into a couple of different things so yeah based in America I've almost I've been I've now officially lived in America longer than I've lived in Ireland so my uh, my wife keeps telling me to lose the accent but it's it's hanging on for dear life <laughs> <laughs> you need to practice the American accent now <laughs> maybe maybe <laughs> so for anyone that that isn't too sure of modern soccer coach obviously i mentioned that there's the podcast which i really recommend everyone to go and listen to but what's the education side of the business as well yeah i started i wrote a book when i was in cincinnati so that was 2014 i wrote the first book and it was just uh, an idea of just getting my almost testing a little bit of research a little bit of homework and putting something out there and I'd always been a fan of social media. I've always been a fan of Twitter. So I just wanted to to almost, pub, you know, you can only put a tweet out at a time. And I just wanted to put out something a little bit more in depth and test it a little bit and put the first book out. It did okay. And then I then what I kind of decided to do was every time I I wanted to study something, uh, I, I just decided to, to put it out. Uh, so I, I put out almost a book a year. So I'm on book five or book six at the minute and then the modern soccer coach I didn't want to be the modern soccer coach that's not what it's I'm not the modern soccer coach it it was more or less just a I suppose a, a way of modernizing traditional coaching techniques that I still feel have a have a large amount of value in the game and lining that with new philosophies new ideas and speaking to some people and getting access to some people as well. There is a selfish part of it. We were talking before about about podcasting and, and who you can speak to and the type of information you can get access to is, is phenomenal today. So it, it has kind of morphed into something that I've used as a development tool. I've, I like sharing information. I like engaging with coaches. So the podcast was another way of doing that there. It was something that I thought was a little bit different that could add to modern soccer coach and the response has been good podcasting as you know yourself Ben it's a bit difficult because you don't get the almost the the, the feedback right away you don't know whether people like it or not you don't whether people don't but every now and again you get a message that someone listened to it and uh, but it's been great I've really enjoyed it and I think it's made me a better listener and it's made me a bit more attentive as to who you know you, you have to line up guests so you have to think about the type of people that you want on the show and then that makes you a little bit more intentional about areas that you want to get better at so it has probably indirectly improved me as a coach as well yeah there's definitely uh, uh well i wouldn't even call it a selfish a selfish sort of justification behind these things isn't there but it does give you that reach out to people and I think without a podcast, when you drop people a message and you, you say, let's have a chat, then they're probably less likely, especially um, coaches that are really busy or um, they, they can then use that excuse not to get back. But when you've got the podcast, it is a tool that a lot of people like to talk on, isn't it? And like to put information out on. Absolutely. And it's sometimes all coaches are busy and we can get stuck in our own 
you know, we, we all came into the game, especially as coaches for, you know, the, the magic of the game, the enthusiasm, the passion. And when you're busy and it can become a grind. So sometimes it can become, you know, a day to day, almost it can become a job. So if you don't get access to talk to people who inspire you, then you can get stuck in a little bit of a, you know, every day, every day, every day. And you, and you then lose probably, I think subconsciously, you, you lose a little bit of your imagination. You can lose a little bit of your personality. So what, one of the things, it, it is difficult to upkeep a, one or two interviews a week. But the one thing that it does to you is that when you talk to people who are at the top of their profession or have different ideas, there's many times that I like, oh, here I go. I've got to do this interview today and I'm tired and I, I wouldn't mind sitting on the couch for an hour here and just relaxing. And you come away from the interview and you're like, bang, ready to get to work again because <laughs> it is inspiring because people people at the top of their field communicate the game in a really inspiring way. So, yeah, absolutely. It, it, it can help you for sure. And it's, it ties in with the conversation we were having just before I'll some episodes you think you absolutely nail and there's loads of great information in there and you don't get any feedback and then some episodes you you think you're just waffling and, and you're just having a conversation with someone but people love it so there's always value in these in these sorts of things isn't there 100 percent, 100 percent. and then the ones that you know the more people listen the more type of feedback and as well you, you get used to taking a little bit of criticism every now and again and it, it helps you in a number of ways, and it's also good for jokes as well. I get more more fun made of me because of the podcast for a lot of other things, so it's all good. <laughs> now, roles are reversed today, Gary, because I know you've interviewed. It must be hundreds of hundreds of coaches now. So I want to get away from the fact that um, the podcast and you're no longer the host; you're the guest. So I want to get into your knowledge today and. Um, cover some really interesting topics so one of the first things was that obviously a lot of our followers are snc sports scientists but i wanted to get your point of view on um when you've worked alongside these coaches what is it that you um want or need from them in their role to to help you with your role i think you're your first role as a coach is for the success of the team. So you know, the one thing I've kind of learned or changed my viewpoint with, I, I think in the college industry, you have a more general sport S&C coach and you, want, you're, you probably want a little bit more soccer in that there. But the reality is that they're there to benefit the team and make the team better. So the first thing that I would like or love in an S&C and sports science support is is the connection with the players and the ability to get not necessarily more difficult things through and data and, and et cetera, et cetera. It's just basic to impact them on a daily basis to get them to improve their lifestyle or improve their warm-up or improve their preparation or improve their recoveries. And then... You know, every, every day, similar to a, a field coach, if you can come in every day and, and get the attention of the players and get the connection with the players, then that's the primary goal that I would say from, you know, me developing as a coach. From the staff point of view, then I think it's about aligning the work to the type of game that you want to play, both individually. What are you trying to do for individual players? And then what are you trying, you know, what, what type of game do the team want to play? 
because um, that's where for me the numbers have to be aligned to the, the tactical system of the coach if running is is pointless if it's running for the sake of of running so uh, an understanding of what everyone's trying to do and I think that's the, the the cultures that I've looked at and environments that I've looked at and become really impressed with there's a there's a clarity and consistency with every aspect of the program and that's S&C that's coaching that's player development that's leadership everyone is going in the same direction so uh, whenever uh, you know departments are getting bigger and you know bigger and better today but not necessarily tighter and I think that's the big key for me so there's sort of reverse of that, Gary. If you, and obviously, you don't have to name names there. You don't have to dig anyone out. But what what sort of things can S&C coaches or have you seen or or dealt with S&C coaches doing that um, has a bit of a negative effect on what you're trying to do? Well, if you're doing a warm-up and you're doing you know basic to get the players prepared if it's pre-warm-up or, or whatever it is and you have the first interaction with the players that day then you want to get them to the the technical staff with the positive frame of mind or a level of engagement and or even just a, an efficient way to get prepared for the game and there is a mental you know we do we look at the body sometimes i feel as if we look at it without the emotion without the energy and I feel that if you can deliver the players to the technical staff with a level of engagement, a level of enthusiasm, then all of a sudden it makes their job a little easier. Whenever you, so if we're talking focus, concentration, all the all the psychological aspects that you require in the game today, you can impact that there without a ball, uh, just by a frame of mind. So I think that you know I, I, I've. Being a player, I didn't particularly enjoy stretching and jogging and doing all the warm-up. So it, it is a hard job uh, to try and make that engagement. But I think a bit of fun and a bit of uh, spark and a little bit of uh, you know, enjoyment in that there can really help. When the players come over and they're ready to go and they're buzzing, then it, it can contribute and can add value to the session. Alternatively, if the players are disengaged and the players are not ready mentally, physically, then it can it can make the session go a little bit more. Uh, it can take a while for it to get going. So that that's the thing for, for me. Sometimes I watch, uh, observe where it's it doesn't, it's the same every day. And I think it can be a little bit of variety in there can add to it as well. So just, yeah, I, I wouldn't be, I'm not into the techniques of did they get this muscle warmed up or did they, you know, what was the point of that there? But I, I'd be big on the energy of the group. And I think when when the S and C and the the support staff get that to the players, then it's it's huge. It's brilliant because you only get so many sessions with the players, and even at the professional level, people think that you get access to them twenty four seven. But in the in today's two thousand nineteen, you're only you know the time you have on the grass to get high intensity work done is very very limited. So you want to make sure that you don't have to to stretch that out because players weren't prepared or the players were underprepared. I think that's a really interesting uh, view and it's something a lot of S&C coaches need to be aware of, that they are, they're setting the tone, aren't they, a lot of the time for that session. And it's one thing we spoke about in our last network meeting with Adam Kerr at Scum for because he, he asked the question to all the coaches there and said, what do you, or who do you think 
the players that you've worked with would say is the, the best SNC coach they've worked with and what would the sort of characteristics of that SNC coach be? And we had a little chat about it and it came back and we basically said, oh, the one, they'd use words, like, oh, the one with the best banter. Mm-hmm. And that's the sort of thing, isn't it? That it's the one that they can get on with. Obviously, they need all the all the technical side of it and they need to do the right warm-ups and the, and the right rehab and prehab and speed work and everything. But the the relationship and and setting the tone in that step in that session is absolutely crucial, isn't it? Hundred percent, hundred percent. And then it's the relationship with, like, we are as humans, we gravitate towards energy, people we like, and not necessarily people who can make us give us access to information. Like, we'll go to bookstores are designed today not not like libraries they're designed to increase your experience to improve your experience so and there's a reason for that there so whenever people do not go to support staff because that you know they're they have got this level of information that they can access to sometimes they do but for the most part it's there's a personality attached to it the same goes for an analysis department the same goes for you know someone want a little bit more work position if they go somewhere, they associate it with an experience or an emotion. If that emotion is boredom or if that emotion is frustration, then all of a sudden that becomes conditioned as well. And and sometimes I think sometimes I think we fabricate or manufacture the not just S and C but actual training sessions a little bit too much today, where they're you know the light everything's everything's perfect. The the balls, the cones, the the bibs, they're all lined up perfectly, but it doesn't have that energy with it. And I, th- I just think the, the longer that I'm in this, I think that's so, so important. So yeah, a, a personality for a coach, I think is going to be as important as, you know, having the information, having the way to communicate that information. Yeah, it's interesting to get your views on that. And you mentioned before about um, coaches having the understanding of the game and obviously understanding the the way that the coach is is trying to play and the the style of play but what in your opinion what level of knowledge do they need Uh, yeah I mean it's a good it's a good question so I think they have to the relationship between the head coach and the S&C coach has to be has to be pretty tight because as a as a technical staff you're always looking at you know, the, the physical capabilities of your players, probably defensively, I would say, more than anything else. You're looking at saying, well, can they do X, Y, and Z? And if the team doesn't perform on out of possession to the level that the technical staff want, then they're probably going to look at the numbers and say, well, it looked as if we didn't run today. It looked as if we didn't get going today. Can we get numbers or analytics to back that up, GPS, whatever it is? And and sometimes I think then it's it's up to the S and C coach or the the science to then say right well here is not just the numbers but here is an overview of our opinion on that there and then this is where we can connect it to the training just like just like tactical analysis really it's no point in just showing a still picture you're going to need some form of review with that there professional and I think that's where. Yeah, I mean it's it's not all. There's there's different. There's you know Mourinho's type of defending is different from Diego Simeone's type of defending. So the the physical requirements should be difficult as well, or should no different, not difficult. So I think having an understanding of what it takes for different defensive systems, what it takes for different positions, 
rather than such and such ran a lot today or such and such covered X amount of sprints. That will probably cloud information to coaches because it's just a number. And like I said before, numbers are information on its own without the review or the the understanding or the context will be lacking. So I would say, again, I would put it right next to tactical analysis. You need you don't need stats. You need to you need context with your work. And I think obviously the higher you go, the more context, the more understanding, and the better the relationship between the head coach has to be. I would say. And we spoke about him before, but um, Tim Lee's mentioned that basically the same the same thing in the episode that I recorded with him. That I asked him about the data and what sort of data he'd want to see, and then he went into how he'd want to play and the and the justifications behind the types of data he'd want to see, and that's tying in with exactly what you're saying, isn't it? That like a, like you just pointed out, a Mourinho and a and a Simeone team. You'd look at different type, you'd, or you'd want to see different types of data because it's all dependent upon the game model. Hundred percent, and it's also dependent on the 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 nature of the game as well. So, you know, if you go down to ten men, or if you concede a goal a goal early, or if the opposition are playing in a low block, and so many, you know, there's nothing that is. It's a, it is a complex game, and. So much context or understanding of context is needed. So, granted, to communicate that there on a spreadsheet is borderline impossible. So, and and with time and attention span of coaching staff, I understand it's not easy either. So, having a having an SNC coach who can read the numbers, understand context, and be able to communicate that in a time efficient way. You know, you don't have a forty five minute explanation with the coaches. And I think that's that's the other area that when when you're looking at young SNC coaches, the environments that you're in today, it's 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 similar to tactical analysis. For me to review a game four days after it happened and spot the differences and the mistakes is not good enough at this level. You need to be able to there's a time limit on the information and getting it so that it can help the team almost immediately. And I think there should be a little bit more pressure on on the education side, especially on the tactical analysis piece, where we can we can provide those answers or provide that support a lot quicker than spending four or five days reviewing it and then having to do a a one hour presentation. We don't. Sometimes you get five minutes with a coach, and you've got to impact that coach as quick as possible. So um, that that adds different variables to it as well. As a coach in that situation, Gary, what what would be, and I know it pretty might be a little bit different in different scenarios, but what would be your your top advice for SNC coaches or sports scientists or analysts in terms of actually presenting it to you? Because it might just be a conversation in the corridor, mightn't it? Yeah, yeah. Again, there's so much to it. There's there's timing, yeah. Because if you get you know if you get someone at the wrong time as well, you you might have lost your opportunity. If you get someone at a bad time and they're coming out of another meeting. So, so picking your times and being aware of that. I also think then your support, uh, you know, choosing to most most coaches that uh, that I've talked to or that I know are not analytical number people. So, providing information in a spreadsheet is 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 very very difficult to get a key point across. So, yeah, you can't set up you know having a meeting, scheduling a meeting, setting up a PowerPoint is is maybe difficult. But supporting your work with 
uh, soccer piece, I think is huge. If you can support your work with a clip or two from this is what I see and this is where the player or the team did this and it relates to the information through that there. It only takes one or two clips to do that there. And I think once you do that, it makes you a better coach because then you're connecting the visuals or the that then you've got a then you've got an opportunity to trigger the coach to think. But I've been presented and I used to think I wanted it, Ben. That's that's kind of why I'm I'm on this kind of kick because I thought as a coach seven, eight, nine, ten years ago that I wanted data, that I needed data. And once I had access to data, I discovered that it wasn't really what I wanted. I needed context with the data. So I, I feel as if I wasted my own time and resources as a younger coach. What you're saying is that we don't all need to do the Bielsa-style presentation every single time we get we find a bit of data we, you might think is useful. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I think that that's again that's the art of coaching, isn't it? Like you, you might as much as we like to think that everything is is uh, rational and the spreadsheets and like elite environments are yeah they're highly highly organized and and there are pro- a lot of processes in place but some of your your biggest opportunities to make impact are during moments of sorry about that uh, no, are during are some of your moments to make big impacts are during moments of in, informal like just walking back from the practice field with a coach or maybe standing around or maybe it's sitting at lunch or breakfast or dinner and having something available and it, you know in today's it's not okay you don't need to plug in a desktop you can just lift your mac and you might have a picture in it or pick up your phone and i think having young coaches armed with always supporting your work with how to make i, I remember watching um just to go off topic a little bit, Steve Round, who was Steve Round was manager, uh, assistant manager with David Moyes at a couple of clubs, worked with Steve McLaren. I remember watching one of his presentations a few years ago on YouTube, and he, he talked about whenever he interviews a support staff, if it's S and C or if it's an assistant coach, a tactic analysis, whatever it is, he asks us. He says, "I only ask one question: How can you help us win on Saturday?" And I always think that's that's the way we should look at it is that if we're given information and if it's not in a setting, you know, we, sh- we should be short-term focused with that information in terms of, I've only got a minute here. How do I, you know, it's an elevator speech rather than a classroom presentation because um, that's where I've, what I've really learned is as an assistant coach at this level is that the challenge of putting something into uh, content that people can consume fairly easier than a head coach when you were a head coach, so you know that's that's really uh, really interesting to me, and I love that there because it makes you better. If you can get your content down, similar to a podcast, we'd love to put it out for two hour chats, but you've got to get it down to an hour, and it's got to be good or forty minutes. And I think that's how we should approach coaching sometimes. I think that's fascinating. I think if if a coach can take one thing from this um, episode, I think it's that. Because like you said there, the elevator pitch is, and I don't know why, I, and maybe this is something that should be involved in the sort of education side of things, is that that time is, is so valuable. And that could be the time that you essentially make it or break it, because that you can also destroy that time you have as well, can't you? And a lot of coaches will, 
well. They'll they'll babble on about all sorts of stuff rather than just getting the point across and being precise. But I love the fact of what you've just said there. How can you help us win on Saturday? That just makes it so simple, but that gets to the point straight away. Yeah, yeah. And it goes to, you ask the reason why, why do we think like that? And I I, I look at review, self-review, like why, why do I think that I should have to give someone an abundance of information? I think it goes back to how we're educated because, you know, in, in school, things had to be X amount of words before we could present it. And then we associate detail with depth and and quantity Reality detail is can be timing, can be a specific word. That you know, even a, and that's that's not S and C. That is every aspect of coaching. That is a player. If there's a water break and you have to tell that player something, and again, that's that's the, one of the, the many things I've learned at this level is that the quality of your information has to be better. And sometimes you, you get a, a minute. Sometimes our coach will say, I "Need one minute. What have you got?" And if if you take 60 seconds and mumble and didn't get to your point, you know, he or she has moved on and yeah. you're sitting after the game going, I missed that opportunity. So I, I, I used to think it was frustrating to be like, well, I, you know, if a player came to you and then tuned out after a minute, you know, like, ah, I wish you could have a better focus. Like, no, if you, if you as a coach can get your point across better, and more efficiently, it's going to make you. It's going to make you much, much better, and it's going to allow you more time then to focus on on other people. Yeah, and it's just as crucial for players as well. And it we spoke about um, head coaches and how you'd speak to a manager, but I think you're right. Like in terms of speaking to players, their attention span, as um, especially on a lot of things, will be a lot shorter. So you do have to be creative in a way and capture their imagination and that's that is again the art of coaching absolutely absolutely and sometimes again at at college I suppose I didn't I you know I felt that if I told a player something it was very much command style uh, yes yes no thank you for and, and at this level you know when you're speaking to a player it's not sometimes they don't need the information and they're they're older and more experienced, so they can articulate that that information didn't land, whether through their words sometimes or whether through their body language. And and I, I really enjoy that there, that I can speak to someone and, and, and I can pass on information and that player can tell me from one way or another that I didn't land with that information. So now I've got to be, you know, instead of, I've got to park my ego and say, well, instead of saying, well, you, you know, you're, you've got to be able to take that information on. That's, that's, not, that's not the key. The key is for me to land it quicker and more efficiently. So I've got to go back and revisit it. And, and sometimes you miss the boat completely. And sometimes it's in a game and sometimes, or sometimes it's in a, at a halftime. And, uh, and the pressure is on because, again, what, what sometimes we overlook in elite environments is the element of pressure and what does pressure do and pressure speeds everything up and pressure adds emotion to everything so you know landing that information is going to be hard under pressure and if you if you lack communication skills if you lack a personality if you lack timing if you lack awareness then it doesn't matter how much you know that information may not get from person x to person z or person x to person a b c um and i think that's it's difficult to replicate in coach education but i, I think that should be should definitely be something that people are aware of. And the other factor that comes into that, Gary, as well, is that you, you, 
dealing with individuals in a team environment, aren't you? So the way you present or you use that 10 seconds in a water break with one player might be slightly different to how you do it with another player. Yeah, yeah. We, we literally had one the other day and, and you know, we, we were in Houston two days ago when it was really, really hot. So you're, they were having a water break at 25 minutes and, and yeah, you've got, you're not allowed on the pitch. So it's the same type of rule that if there's an injury and you know, you're standing and, and before it, you know, as a staff, you're, you're, you're thinking or talking, who needs to get to who? And yeah, you have a choice and you're in, you know, yeah, you'd love to get everyone together and give everybody, but sometimes you can do more damage than good. And sometimes you have to make sure that your information is not conflicting with other information or, or sometimes other players need space and sometimes you can, some, sometimes they don't need information. Sometimes they need assurance. And, and that's something that I think we can be aware of as well. Sometimes it could just be a smile and say, well done, keep it going. Um, because maybe they don't require information. They just require, if they're at a water break and there is a water break, it might be for a physical reason that it's really hot. So they might need a little bit of energy. Um, you, you know, they can get it from a, from a Gatorade packet or they might be able to get it from a different person. And I think that's something that, again, as coaching, have we, if we view coaching from a technical lens only, from information, uh, and we miss the emotion and we miss the connection, then we will miss the, the ability to make an impact. So one thing I actually wanted to ask you towards the start of the episode, and I missed it out, was that I wanted to ask you who some of your biggest influences were, Gary, on your coaching style, whether that be people that you've worked with um, over in the States or whether that's um, in the professional game. Yeah, I, I when I first started coaching, it was probably at the breakout of, of 2003, 2004. It was, it was like the Jose Mourinho era of coaching. So I was influenced by a, a young a young coach who was coming in and had didn't really have a strong playing background and and was really analytical with his thinking and and I wasn't like that from an analytical point of view so I wanted to add that to my so I, I did a lot I studied a lot of Mourinho I was fortunate to to attend an event with the NSCAA a few years I watched them watched them work up close it was unbelievable so from afar I really I really liked his his style I really liked the way that he that he got his teams together both. Uh, from a from an emotional point of view, the, those Chelsea teams, those Inter Milan teams, uh, the way he got them to work in and out of possession, I thought were brilliant. So that was like from afar, and I suppose then from from immediate impact to be personally or closer was the Gary Hamill I worked with uh, as a, he was my head coach as a player, and he was an experienced coach. He's he's I think he's coached there for twenty twenty five years at the same school. But he taught me how to be a professional and that was how to spend hours and hours and hours and and get back to people and be respectful and do things that, you know, you look at the touchline and you think that's where coaches make an impact. But it's not just about you and the players. It's about you having to not just impact, you know, 12, 14, 16 soccer players. It's about you having to impact environments. It's about you have to have a relationship with financial aid. It's about you have people that can help your program or people that are associated because the image of your program is very, very important. And, and he taught me a lot about that there. Um, when I watched, when I watched some people coaches with coach with energy and, and there's a few people that I've seen up close and personal and, and it's been, I've seen like 
I've seen sessions come to life, uh, come alive, uh, like coaches in Ireland, coaches in England, coaches in the US, and and when I take ideas from people, I love I love looking at different ideas online. I think Twitter is absolutely brilliant for for different analysis pieces, but also a little bit of creativity. But I think people that can put their personality on a session, and not just like with their coaching points, but but to get people working hard and enjoying it, I still think uh, I still think there's there's a lot of value in that. And I want to move on on to because we said we we're going to talk about periodization injury prevention. So, what do you think some of the shortcomings of periodization are when injury prevention is the goal? Yeah, it's a bit of a sore subject for me. Injury prevention because. You know, I would I value environments where people there's growth and people are trying to get better and people are working hard and and I enjoy that there. I, I think that injury prevention, obviously, I, I appreciate it and I appreciate S and C, but I I don't know if we've moved away from thinking that you know moving away from believing that that's the end goal of keeping players healthy and then under training our teams. So. You know, I've I've gone to environments where there's to observe, not not worked in, but I've gone to observe environments where they've got bucket loads of technology, and the players are doing all this work that's that's periodized. Nobody's working hard, and nobody's really engaged, and nobody's bought in, and there's no real. It's it's manufactured, and the team's struggling. And they're saying, well, you know, if we get player X in and we've got a strong recruiting class or whatever it is, and you're, you're thinking you could you could shake this thing up a little bit and get a bit more work out of them. But when you say, well, what's the strength of your team or your program? And they're saying, well, we haven't got a player injured in two years. And you said, yeah, but you play at a style of soccer that isn't really going to blow the back doors off anyone either. So I, I think that we have to be very, very careful. And I think where... What, what hasn't helped the community, coaching community, is this, uh, this dialogue on social media that if, if Team X at a high level gets player X injured, then Team X have overtrained or Coach X is a dinosaur. And, and I think that's, that's the main shortcoming for me is because once you put fear into the coaching community and if you associate injury prevention with being a successful coach, then all of a sudden... Coaches are going to start, you know, it's going to impact how they train. It's going to impact session design. It's going to impact competitiveness. It's going to impact robustness. So I would be a fan of, of maybe a bit more awareness of that there. So, you know, there's no injuries can happen without, it doesn't have to be, you know, you can be have a perfectly periodized program and people can get injured. And like, and also you can have a really bad uh SNC outline or, or zero part of it and people cannot get injured so I just think we should yeah a little bit more education or a bit of awareness there because uh, sometimes especially when I watch youth games over here um, and again they're all GPA they're all they're all they've all the technology but it's it's not a it's not an aggressive game and that's the game I love that's the game I fell in love with was like aggressive football not in your face smashing people but like both teams taking it to each other and then out of possession. Yeah, and they've got to be prepared for that as well, haven't they? And it's one thing, I think I heard Tony Strokewick speak about it um, a few, maybe a couple of years back, and he was saying about essentially losing that intensity and it becoming 
a bit a lot more focus on injury prevention and I think you're right with that injuries are going to happen within a game aren't they and and we do want to limit them as much as possible but it is the nature of the game and and they do happen you're going to go some seasons where you don't have many and some seasons you have more and you can impact it where as much as possible but I think that is a really interesting point of view um, and I also think that when clubs are successful, the the, the um, SNC or sports scientists or the, the injury rates are praised. But at the same time, there can be teams that are down the bottom of the leagues. That are, I know, I know a lot, quite a lot of teams that are down the bottom or have been down the bottom, and their their staff are doing some unbelievable stuff. And it just seems they go unrecognised just because of the the form of the team. Hundred percent. I had I had uh, David Tenney on on the podcast, and, and David's worked worked currently in the NBA and uh, with Orlando Magic, and did, does a lot of great work here, actually around the world on on SNC, and and I, I learned a lot from him. But one of the the biggest things I learned almost from his other interviews when I was doing the research was the fact of he's pointed out that we do suit we do jump on articles or information or data to support our beliefs rather than challenge and make them better. So stuff like that is, again, and, and, and Twitter doesn't help because there's an article for whatever you want, whatever agenda you want to drive through, you can find an article for it. So whenever there's an, an injured player, you know, and or, or as you said there, if the bottom team of the league doesn't have any injured players and, and have a brilliant S&C department, someone writes an article on that there. If, if a training ground guru writes an article on, Whatever team got relegated and they're doing brilliant work, it's not going to get any clicks. <laughs> no one wants to read about it. So, unfortunately, that's we're in a society where you know, and once once Liverpool lose three games, everyone's trolling for information for Klopp's you know aggressive training style, and and you know, as as coaches, that's just the nature of the world. But as coaches. As, as David Tenney's pointing out, as coaches, we have to be aware of that there. And then we also have to catch ourselves doing it because I, I'm, I'm more guilty than anyone else. I, I see something good and I'm like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start researching that there. And I think, am I only good because, I mean, is it outcome based why I'm looking for that there? Or is it because it's going to make me better or, or improve my thinking? Yeah. Yeah, it's very interesting, isn't it? And I think that comes with experience as well, doesn't it? That, when you, as young coaches, I think you do it more. That's not to say you don't do it when you're experienced, but especially when you're younger, you get attracted to the articles like that, and you you think that that is like the that's the magic pill, isn't it? That you've not you're not currently doing, and that you should be doing. Yeah, and and I did it. I that's what I said. What I did from when I think that I I thought that I wanted data five ten years ago as a coach. And I thought that was the magic pill. I thought that I wanted a, an aggressive, intense game and thought that me allow me having access to data that could give information to players and give feedback to players and hold our staff accountable. I thought that was the magic pill. And sometimes you chase something that, you, you know, you you were better off without because as, as well, like there's everything comes with a cost as a coach. If you, if you focus on something, you're not focusing on something else. You can't possibly hit every area. So sometimes, what, what I what I found as a coach is sometimes as I became, as I became, probably improved with session design of manufacturing situations in the game, 
and following a certain coaching style, I lost a little bit of my personality, which lost my effectiveness as a coach. So sometimes, you, you know, we like to think that you can cover everything, but reality is that you have to be aware of other things that it might be doing a bit of damage. Yeah. Amazing guy. I think that I think there's some really, really key takeaways in there for me. Uh, and I really appreciate you coming on. Where's where's the best place that the guys can obviously follow yourself and all the work you put out, but then also um the podcast? Yeah, so I do yeah, I do a fair bit on Twitter. So at Gary Kernine on Twitter and then I do a bit on Instagram as well, at Gary Kernine there and, and Modern Soccer Coach the the podcast and then yeah, if anyone wants to reach out on email I've been great getting back this past month, but uh, hopefully uh, I can improve that. Gary at modernsoccercoach.com. So no, I always always enjoy engaging with coaches. And yeah, if anyone has any um, has any conflicting views and, and can help me with the, I'm, I'm looking to improve my awareness of, of your area as well, Ben. So uh, I appreciate all the work you do. And it's really helpful to, to coaches who don't have that background. As I said to you before we started recording is that, I enjoy listening to your podcast because it gives me a little bit more, a bit more clarity and understanding of, of your area and, and what, what your area is trying to do. And I think you had David on, David Caron, uh, a couple of weeks ago, and, and he was just about people communicating more and putting people in the same room and chatting more. And I think, I think he nailed it. I think that's, that's a, key, a key takeaway for me is more, more conversations, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Now, Gary, I'll let you. Uh, I'll let you go. Um, but thank you very much for coming on. I really do appreciate it. And um, yeah, I recommend for everyone listening to go and go and listen to the podcast because there's some quality episodes on there. Um, and hopefully, we'll we'll be in touch again soon. Cheers, Ben. Brilliant. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Gary. All right, bye now. It was great to have Gary on the podcast. As a, a fellow podcaster, it was great to pick his brains and then we spoke about a few things before the episode, but it was great actually to get him on and um, speak to him about all his expertise as well because he's a quality coach working over in the States and it was great to um, pick his mind and, and delve deep into some uh, topics with him. So thanks a lot to Gary for coming on. You can go and follow Gary. He's on Twitter at Gary Kuneen, which is spelled G-A-R-Y-C-U-R-N-E-E-N. And there's also, you can go and follow the uh, everything that's going on with Modern Soccer Coach. Obviously, the, the podcast is available on iTunes, but you can also go and follow them on Twitter. It's at MSC Education. Some of my biggest points and biggest takeaways were how how he spoke about SNC coaches having the first connection with players so in training you can really set the tone of the training session because you'll have the first contact with the player and that can be both a positive and a negative so that really made sense and then he simplified um, how you can approach and how you can talk to technical coaches by simply saying how can you help us win on a Saturday and when we strip it back to that it things make sense a lot more and you can keep a clear um, vision um, and goal in mind in terms of what we actually want to achieve and why we do what we do. And then also about under teams under training, so the intensity that we're potentially losing and are we focusing too much on preventing injuries and not, and not giving the players the load they need um, or the exposure they need for the current game or the modern game. So it's great to pick his brains. Um, again, thanks to Gary for coming on. Please share the show, like I said at the start, 
Um, share it with as many people as possible. Let's get this episode out there. Um, there's loads of golden nuggets from Gary in the, in the episode, so let's try and spread the word. As always, you can go and follow us. Um, we are on Twitter, at FootballFitFed. The same on Instagram. The website is footballfitfed.com. And you can go and get your tickets for our next network meeting event down at Southampton. That's going to be available on the website. And if you have, if you want to get in touch, any guest recommendations or any feedback on the show, drop us an email, mail at footballfitfed.com. Hope you enjoyed the episode with Gary. I certainly did. I've got a full page of notes and I will speak to you again next week. <laughs>